Hey, welcome to A Little Better. My name's Daniel. I'll be your host. Today on the podcast, we talk about the big question, should a New Testament Christian follow the Old Testament law? We answer that and many questions like, what's the weirdest thing you put salt on? We'll find out that and so much more on today's episode of A Little Better. Remember, our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit, do better so together we can be a little better. Hey, welcome to A Little Better, week two of a new series called Summer on the Mount. Bradley T. Files. Is it T? You know, it is. You T. got it right. Todd. But Todd? Is no, right? Oh, Trent. Trent. Dang, I always want to do Todd. Uh, you preached this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I preached a little salt and light. A little salt and light. Yeah, we're here. prime rib as well. That's right. That's right. And we're here. Maddie's here as well on I'm the back. podcast. Back again, week two. Uh, so you talked about salt and light. So I thought, what better question to kick off with then what is the strangest thing that you put salt on so it was interesting i was thinking about this because i i is it strange or isn't it i think it's totally 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 normal right but i just haven't done it in years but growing up. up i put salt on watermelon oh that you're building uh, that was my answer too that's totally normal right so yeah. why has it been years since i put salt on you know watermelon? how long it's I, been since i put salt on watermelon a week last yeah. night so <laughs> oh, yeah. all right so people do it I, it's uh, funny because i've eaten so much watermelon without salt but I've i remember never, as a kid yeah, mm-hmm. I've never been it. anywhere here locally, like in the area of Rochester, at someone's house when they had watermelon, and uh-huh. I've asked for salt, and they have not looked at me strange. So like, yes. they always like, "What is wrong with you? Why Maybe do you want salt?" Maybe it was the South. I it's mean, a, it's definitely a South because I mm-hmm. summers in Alabama, salt on watermelon. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Amen. Anything else that you can think of? You put salt. No, on? that was my answer. Oh, my brother salt. always would pour salt my, on her watermelon. My grandmother used to salt her grapefruits. She used to oh. eat grapefruit for breakfast. Huh. She used to salt her grapefruits. Really? Mm. I sugar her grapefruit. Yeah, so, sugar. Yeah, my mom would really strange. Sh- it's like the weirdest taste <laughs> ever. I had a friend that put salt on ice cream, vanilla <laughs> ice cream. Oh, really? shout out! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I never tried. You know, it, you, you think? I mean, there are salty caramel ice creams yeah. now and stuff, but and they're pretty good, but not like. No, you know, salting it up. <laughs> Sprinkles. <laughs> All right. Well, let's keep moving on. Brad, give us your sermon in 60 seconds. My sermon in 60 seconds is that uh, we did salt and light and fulfillment of the law were the two paragraphs uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. So we learned last week that the price of admission to the kingdom of heaven is brokenness. It's all the brokenness, broken people that get in. But here we find out that perfect people. Are getting in. So how can we be broken and perfect at the same time? How can we be salt and light, blessing the world, because we're pretty messed up? How can we surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees? And the only way to resolve it is to bring Jesus into the picture. We can be yeah. perfect and broken, and perfectly broken, um, when we don't go after our righteousness, but we accept his gift of mm. righteousness. That's good. So, so Jesus is the answer? Jesus so it's every Sunday school. Yeah, I talk about the Jesus shaped. I talk about the Jesus shaped hole though. It's just like scripture, yeah. life, history. It's Jesus. It's all. It's all only answered in Jesus. Mm. And you talked about sacred paradoxes last week. I mean, all those paradoxes, including this paradox, being yeah. broken and perfect. It's good. That's how you solve the paradox. Nice. We set something up that only Jesus can fix. Absolutely. So, what did you leave on the table? That's a question oh, you always ask me, so I wanted to ask you. You know, I left so much on the table. You start writing this stuff, and I even felt, I was surprised uh, back when I practiced it 
finally that I was had a little time left to spare because I started with so much stuff. And, and, and I'm sure a lot of it was irrelevant, but really... <laughs> I, for me, it was a lot of American culture that I tossed. I was going to go down mm. all these rabbit trails. I, I don't know if the rabbit trails are real, but, you know, we have a hard time having a king. We Americans mm. don't have kings, you know, but we have our own little kingdoms. Mm. So it's all the ways we express ourselves individually. You know, don't mess with my truth. Let me express myself the way I want to express myself. Don't get in the way of my pursuits, my dreams, my aspirations. So that's all very American, mm. but it all comes into, it clashes with the kingdom of God. It clashes mm. with having a king who sets our priorities rather than us setting our priorities. Yeah. But it, there's good news, right? Because mm-hmm. that that you left on the table, Jesus starts attacking, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. guess attacking may not be the right word. It's true. He starts addressing a lot of those things mm-hmm. oh, yeah, as yeah, we yeah, get yeah, down yeah, into yeah. the Sermon on the Mount. Like he, he addresses, you know, in chapter six on anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, or still in chapter five, he's addressing murder or anger and mm-hmm. he's a, addressing lust, adultery, divorce. Mm-hmm. He, he, he addresses multiple more things, you know, keeping promises. Like, it just keeps kind of going on. Like, he starts addressing a lot of things that are culturally taboo. Which is interesting. That. For me, the journey on the Sermon on the Mount was this, because I do know what's coming, and Jesus is going to do some severe beatdowns, you know, where we thought we knew what a passing grade was, but he's mm. going to tell us we had mm. no idea what a passing grade is. Yeah. I already hinted at it, obviously, this week with the passing grade is perfection, Yeah, right? Mm. And Jesus is going to show, what, is it, what does perfection mean with regard to murder, mm. lust, you know, giving to the poor, all these things, right? Um, but uh, I used to believe that the whole purpose on the Sermon Mount was just to beat us up, mm. just mm-hmm. to have us give up trying to make you know, you know, basically trying to be good. Um, but what this passage challenged me on was, no, 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 you are salt and light. What? You know, you're yeah. the solution to the world. You're getting it to God. I, I will accomplish my kingdom through you. Yeah. And that, that really was something I had to wrestle with because for me it was all about, I, I just always saw the sermon as no matter how hard you're trying, it's useless. Just give up. You know, let go, mm-hmm. let God. Let's yeah. let Jesus forgive our sins and mm-hmm. wait for heaven. Yeah. Right? But to see that really we're supposed to incarnate salt mm-hmm. and light, mm-hmm. be good, you know, change the world. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we did this as a, as a staff, a few of us did this little mini series uh, class on an online class together on the art of teaching. Mm-hmm. And in part of it, I remember the instructor talking about the Sermon on the Mount being like 11 or 15. I, there's a random number that he threw out of mini sermons that are like, here's the point. Here's the like, the action step, the practical, mm-hmm. you know, step of like, this is how you apply this directly to your life. And like Jesus almost gives us these like packaged up, you know, sermons in like four mm-hmm. lines. You know, he's right. like, here's the problem. Here's the solution. Here's the application. Like he's yeah. like, boom, boom, there it is. And yeah. he just like ra- rifling through it. And so mm-hmm. we're going to dive into those as, in weeks to come. But so Brad, you talked about uh, specifically, you know, being salt and light, mm-hmm. but then Jesus is the answer. And and the way he's the answer is Matthew 5:17 of what he's doing with the law. Right. Um and so what is Jesus doing with the law? I want to read Matthew 5:17 so we have it fresh on our minds cuz man this verse is so 
conversated over, you know, debated, if you want to say that. I'm um, sure I have much to learn. Yeah. But let's go. So it says, Jesus says, right after, you know, he says about being salt and light, in verse 16, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. Then he says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Mm-hmm. So what does Jesus do with the law and the prophets? Well, he, so I had talked about the fact that um, that law and the prophets was meant to include all of Scripture, and that the fulfilling is not just that he checks all the boxes. You know, for instance, like he scores 100 on the exam. He doesn't break any of the rules. He, he does do that. He does score 100. But for him to fulfill it means that he completes it, that, this, that really the Scriptures only go so far. I... I f- I find it in Proverbs because I love, I, I, to me, I read Proverbs and there's so much wisdom in there, but there's also just a, a reality with how the world works, how much injustice there is and how, and, and to me, it just, I, I ache for someone to fix that, you know, mm. to complete that. When will these injustices uh, mm. be made right? So that's just one example of me seeing the, those scriptures point to Jesus. Jesus shows up and he he, he addresses the injustice. He brings a new kingdom. It's upside down from the other one. He lights the way. Uh, everything points to him. Uh, I want you to answer that question, though, because I, <laughs> I, I honestly, I mean, it's interesting. We all go into our studies, you know, to yeah. you know, research these sermons. And at some point, we have to say, ding, done. We got mm-hmm. to talk about it. Uh, but but I'm still exploring, right? Yeah. And you know what, what, what the fullness of that statement is. Yeah, and so I think, yeah, you, you made a great point because that's just a whole other side tangent of like, there's some point where it's like, you got you to gotta do it, you know? Yeah. You could spend hours and hours more on it to make it 2% better, but, right. you, you know, is it really worth the payoff? And so the word fulfill, I think that's where we have to start with. Like, mm-hmm. Because what does Jesus do to the law and the prophets? He fulfills them right he fulfills them right but what does the word fulfill mean i said complete yeah to complete Mm -hmm. but Uh what does that even what does that even mean you you know we can i think in some ways down layers and layers and layers and and even just to think about law i mean we know there's moral law like the ten commandments but there's also ceremonial law there's sacrifices there's all that does jesus say that this is a tension say that he doesn't say that does anywhere in the new testament say that that's a good question. So I don't I don't, I don't like when scholars go down this rabbit trail of, okay. <clears throat> of like, well, in the law there is there's ceremonial, there's civil, civil. and there's moral. Right. Mm-hmm. Where show me in the New Testament where any New Testament author does that. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously what is happening there, even though New Testament doesn't say it, they are citing the fact that it that there are laws that do seem to be set Absolutely. aside, you know, in the New Testament. They have served their purpose. The moral laws remain intact, but but we're not doing sacrifices anymore. It's remained right? intact. I'm saying in what the sense? moral laws remain intact. I mean, but there's was, multiple moral laws that aren't cited in the New Testament. Uh, for example, for for example, I mean Levitical law of like how to engage someone who is a robber. Hmm. We've said that thou shalt not murder. We, I mean, uh-huh. we should. We would make an exception 
in, in the regard. Talking about like capital offenses that, like for capital, Sabbath and yeah, so like that that uh-huh. technically falls under moral mm-hmm. or even. I mean, some would say, oh, that's civil, right? I but, think we're gonna have to bring in Maddie to solve this, <laughs> <laughs> right? So what what I would what I would say is in the sense of so how Jesus fulfills it is. And Paul and even James is, is talking about, when they talk about the law, and I'll give a couple of good recommendations that help me in my thinking uh, on this, because Paul goes out and, and like says, it, there's an end to it. Mm-hmm. It's ended, which is one of the meanings of the word fulfill. So mm-hmm. there's, there's five potential meanings in uh, BDAG, which is a the standard of Greek lexicon. So BDAG is BDAG. the standard. I haven't heard that one in a um, while. I have, I have the Big Red Beast <laughs> yeah. on my bookshelf and on my computer right here pulled up in it's front of me. It's much easier on the um, computer. <laughs> so no, number one, it means to make full. Mm-hmm. So they've, he's made it full. Now, there's helpful talking about when you're talking about a Bible lexicon, there are meanings and then there underneath the meanings there are how is this word used in this verse? Right. So I'll, I'm going to share with you what scholars believe the, the usage is after I get done with this. So there's to make full. Mm-hmm. The, the second uh, option um, in this guard is to complete a period of time. Mm-hmm. So they've brought it the, the, that period of time, which you talked about Galatians 4. Right, the site fullness says, of time. When mm-hmm. the fullness of time has, mm-hmm. has became an apartment. Mm-hmm. So the third one is to bring to a complete end, mm-hmm. or the word finished. Mm-hmm. So Jesus said, I have not come to abolish law, but I've come to finish it. That's a possible, that's a possible reading, right? I've come to finish it. Uh, the fourth one is to bring to a desired end, or to fulfill. In, in this regard, a, the, a helpful thinking of this is uh, one of my professors in Greek New Testament would say, a, a way of thinking of this number four is to bring to full color, hmm. to fill up the glass. I like that one. Like you, you've brought it. So you were watching right. that TV show in black and white, and then when Jesus came on the scene, he brought it into full color. Right. So he's like, you can now see things in a way that you weren't, able to see them previously. Mm-hmm. And now you can already probably tell which the actual wording here is based on my worship usage. But anyways, that's not the one. And the fifth one is this, to bring to completion the activity in one which one was being involved in. Now that's a very wordy one, but mm-hmm. that just simply is like, it's from its beginning to the its end. You, the task has mm-hmm. been finished in that regard of what it was trying um, mm-hmm. to do is in that regard. So, so those are the, the five usage. And the sixth one, there is, there is technically a sixth one, but I think it's been redundant. It's only one, used one time in the New Testament. It just means complete. Mm-hmm. It's just like complete, which is Revelation 6.11. It's like complete. Mm-hmm. It's complete. So, so of those six, five to six usages of the word, uh, I think Jesus, in essence, is bringing it to its full color. But in what is he doing of how do we relate to the law as New Testament or even New Covenant believers, mm-hmm. because he has brought it to an end, but mm-hmm. the tension resounds is the way Paul talks about it, which is my next question, the way Paul talks about the law, specifically if you look at passages like Romans 14 or 1 Corinthians uh, 8, 9, there's this expectation for New Testament Jewish believers that they would not stop you obeying the law if their conscience prohibited them from doing so. Right. But Paul says, 
I have no expectation that non-Jewish believers will handle law at all. Mm-hmm. So is Paul and Jesus at odds if Jesus says, I have come to fulfill it or bring it to its full color, and ultimately, I'm bringing it to an end? Mm-hmm. But then Paul says, if you're Jewish, you can keep following the law. Are they at odds with each other? Well, obviously, there, there has to be a way to resolve it, right? We, yeah, that's, there has, to, our, be. That's yeah, our, there has you know, to be a way that, to resolve that's it. That's our... You know, you know, you know, our assertion. And I think, um, so, so the question there is, so Paul doesn't expect non-Jewish people to follow the law, to follow the law. Mm-hmm. He does expect non-Jewish people to, this is the, I mean, obviously continue to obey the Ten Commandments with the possible exception of the Sabbath, right? I mean, Paul would expect that. For I mean, in what essence? And and I guess the question is is in what essence though? To say what use of the law? Like, yeah. What is the use? Uh, well, of it's certainly the law? not. It's certainly not to justify us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might be the way we express gratitude, the way we live as a result of our encounter with Jesus. Um, it gives us that structure. So I don't know. I'm I'm uh, I'm musing here. I'm not sure I have the answer. <laughs> Maddie, I, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I feel like what came to mind is like. The, again, the intent of following the law or like this, it's not this pursuit of um, self or workspace righteousness because yeah. it's like this absolute righteousness in Jesus. Like Jesus laid the mm. ground of righteousness. Like, and I think like he fulfills a lot. He is righteousness. Mm. It's mm. not like his act on the cross. Yes, that justifies and like we're sanctified by that, but he is righteousness. Um, so I think, and I even like earlier when you were talking, it's like this almost like we get in this mindset of reading um, sermon about like we're trekking to get to this point of righteousness, but it's like there's not a, an arrival point because that is complete and fulfilled in who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if this conversation of the law is just more of like it's not we're not reaching this arrival point, um, but there's still I I don't know where my mind's going towards <laughs> the end to conclude yeah. that thought, but mm-hmm. the absolute righteousness in Jesus and like that groundwork of yeah. who He is. Absolutely. And so I, I would say that the purpose, what is the purpose of the law, which Paul reveals in Galatian, is to reveal our sinfulness, mm-hmm. right? And so in in the essence of to, to not follow the law is there were Jewish, belie- not believers, Jewish teachers and New Testament error time. Like the people Jesus is talking to, mm-hmm. they're being taught what it means to follow God and have a relationship with him is you obey his law. That makes you righteous, mm-hmm. right? It justifies. It justifies you before God is mm-hmm. you following God. But that's not even what the Old Testament law is in the Old Testament. Right. Right. Because Jesus or God in Exodus, before they get the law, it says, sure. because. Right. I have redeemed you, right. and Father I salvation. have chosen you. Because I've saved you, mm-hmm. now you do what I say. Right. Because Jesus is not against, nor is Paul against obedience. Mm-hmm. He's not against obedience, but I don't even know how helpful it is for us to try to look down at the Old Testament law and say, pick and choose which ones, like you said, Brad, mm-hmm. 
we should follow the Ten Commandments, maybe with the exception of the Sabbath. <laughs> like it's like, wait <laughs> the a second, the only one that isn't Jesus says I fulfilled yeah. it. Yes, fulfilled and, and, it. Right. But in essence, the, you could you could debate on that. It's not explicitly reiterated. Romans emphasizes Romans, that we Hebrews, have a conscience about how we treat that. Hebrews four: mm-hmm. Strive to enter into rest, mm-hmm. your yep. Sabbath mm-hmm. rest. And so, obviously, Jesus is that Sabbath rest. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is what Maddie pointed out. I think is Jesus is our righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so, for us today, I. I don't think Paul or Jesus is at odds when, and James as well, the, the half-brother of Jesus who talks about faith without works is dead um, mm-hmm. When in terms of he's using some law references there. But in essence, is they all are in agreement that the law is not salvific. No, it cannot not. save you. Right. You are obedient to God, mm-hmm. and we've actually have it... I've made the argument before in a conversations, we have it harder than Old Testament believers hmm. because Paul tells us we have the law of Christ written on our hearts. Hmm. And Jesus says, if you love me, do what I say. Mm-hmm. And then, and now it almost becomes this spirit-led righteousness, not a letter-led righteousness, like mm-hmm. in the sense of letter of the law in mm-hmm. the Old Testament. Now, are there multiple applications to still following many of the principles given out in the Old Testament. Absolutely. But to say that, to to be able to sever them up and say, well, these are still applicable, these aren't applicable, and these aren't applicable, I think we're doing a task that was not done in any other context. Hmm. And that can be fully opinion-based. But the way that um, Paul talked about the law and Jesus talked about the law, Mm -hmm. they never reference... You need to follow the ten words right. or the Decalogue, which mm-hmm. are were known things in Judaism of like mm-hmm. what were the the ten? Because Jesus mm-hmm. could easily say you need to follow the ten, but all those other ones you don't. When he says I have fulfilled the law, I've brought it to full picture, and it's in me. Like Maddie pointed out, righteousness is found in Christ, mm-hmm. not in this these pursuits of. Were you obedient? Yes or no? Check the box. Right. Because uh, as we'll see in weeks as we move forward, is the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were creating loopholes mm-hmm. of saying like, "See, I was still obedient." You know, they they were creating these loopholes through the mm-hmm. Mishnah and their their thoughts on the law of like, "See, I still didn't murder. Mm-hmm. See, I still didn't commit adultery. See, I still didn't." I didn't go back on my word because technically what I said was, which we see lawyers doing this all throughout the mm-hmm. New Testament, right? When Jesus says, he's asked like, what can I do to enter heaven? And he's like, love your neighbor as yourself. He's mm-hmm. like, who's technically my neighbor? Because <laughs> uh, then, I'll, then I'll figure this out. So, mm-hmm. so in light of this, this is our uh, last question, which we've only asked like two or three, right? <laughs> um, what exactly are we called to do in light of this? What, what, are, we, what are we called to in light of Jesus being our righteousness? Well, I, the activity. I'm specifically asking towards the activity. Like, what are we called to do? What do I need to do in this? Well, I think we need to serve, obey, and glorify our king. I mean, that's the identity that Matthew is stressing here is that Jesus, you know, is bringing a new kingdom. This kingdom has a king. It's his priorities, not our priorities. And if we live out that life of gratitude, you know, not trying to save ourselves, we're already saved, it's done, and in gratitude to that, uh, not needing anything, just out of an abundance and a fullness and almost to pay it forward, um, we get to 
the original question was, what should we do? What should we do in light of this? In light of like Jesus being our righteousness and like, yeah. Right. In light of, I mean, like just stick with this text, we should be salt. We should be light, you know, and that light primary function is there's, there's, there's crazy goodness here, right? It can't be explained any other way. It's not people striving to be, you know, to get a good report card, not people desperate for others to acknowledge they're scoring well on their report card. They already have a perfect report card in Christ. Mm-hmm. And therefore, and then out of gratitude, you know, they do good deeds to put themselves at risk. And that, um, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, it's not their agenda. It's not worldly priorities. It's, king, it's, it, it's kingdom priorities. So, you know, I talked about salt, holding back the evil, light, advancing the good, which brings, you know, points people to, to God. And so be salt and light is my shortest answer. <laughs> I think practically too, it's like asking like, where am I trying to be my own king? Or mm-hmm. Like that ties right to your message. Right. And then also like, where am I striving for that mm-hmm. self-righteousness and then looking to the righteousness of Christ? Um, I think I read Gentle and Lowly and there's a chapter in there about um, Jesus and righteousness of Christ. And like that just, I just remember just to crumble my world of just Mm. refocusing my mind of like the righteousness of who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And it just, again, crumbles all that self-righteousness that I was like striving towards in that season. Um, So yeah, I think just like asking those probing questions of your own Mm. self. Nice. You guys basically did a one minute wrap up. Okay. Brad, I think you did <laughs> one go. minute or over, but uh, but in my in my closing, I'll, I'll give you three resources if you're still hanging with us. Uh, if you want to dive deeper into this, Maddie already mentioned one. Gentle and lowly mm. is a great resource on like just the righteousness of Christ, of who He is and who we are in light of being in a relationship with Him. Uh, and then two other recommendations on thinking about the law um, is one is called if one if if you use it lawfully. Okay, is is what it's called. Uh, if one uses it lawfully, and so it's literally focusing on like what is the law in the New Testament, like relevance of like New Covenant believers. And the second resource is in the uh, New Studies on Biblical Theology. It's called Biblical Theology According to the Apostles, and so it strictly looks at um, how New Testament writers use and implement the Old Testament law. Um, in their writings, which is a lot of my thoughts that I shared and pushing back to Brad. So thanks so much for checking out this episode of A Little Better. We hope it helps you in your pursuit of following Jesus. Uh, And we'll see you next week.